So I hope you're ready to receive because every time we open up the word of God, he speaks and our lives always change, right? So John chapter 6, this is what it says. After the... He was working for months. We wouldn't have enough money to feed them. Then Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. There's a young boy here with five barley loaves and two fishes. What good is it with this, with this huge crowd? Tell everyone to sit down, Jesus said. So they sat down on the grassy slopes, and the man alone numbered 5,000. Then Jesus took the loaves, gave thanks to God, distributed them to the people. Afterwards, he did the same with the fish. And they all ate as much as they wanted. After everyone was full, Jesus told the disciples, now gather the leftovers so that nothing is wasted. The last two verses, or last three verses, say this. So they picked up the pieces and filled 12 baskets with scrapes left by the people who had eaten from the five barley loaves. When the people saw him do this miraculous science, they said, surely he's the prophet we've been expecting. When Jesus saw that they were ready, for, they were ready to force him to be their king, he slipped away into the hills by himself. It's the word of the Lord. Let's, let's just take a few minutes and pray. Um, if you want to put a hand on your heart or if you just want to open it up. <sighs> Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you that your word is sharp. Is clear, and that your word, every time we open it up, you speak to us. So right now, we just pray that um, as we preach, as I preach, sorry, and we listen to this message, we pray that you would speak to us, God, that you would work wonders, O Lord. And I just pray that all of us in this room, I know it's not by accident that we're here, that all of us in this room would leave completely different because you are here and that your word is that powerful. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen, amen. Um... Hey, do you guys ever get like random flashbacks of like embarrassing moments from the past? Anyone? No? Just Dan in the back. Thank you. Thank you. Just one. This is going to be great. Um, I, I'll, I'll open up. I get that a lot. Um, recently, this past week especially, um, I had an embarrassing, well, Dave reminded me of an embarrassing moment that I had with him the first time I met him. Uh, we had just found out that he's our lead pastor and he was here for a conference. So we're in like the bathroom on the other side. And I go in there, I'm using the bathroom, I see this guy come in, and I look, I'm like, oh, that's, that's the next lead pastor, that's our boss. And so we're talking, we ran out of toilet paper, or sorry, yeah, paper towel, not toilet paper, that'd be weird. <laughs> so we ran out of paper towel, and I awkwardly just like, I'm like, do you want to just share this? So our first interaction was us sharing the same, and he, I'm like, this guy's going to fire me as soon as he gets here. <laughs> No, but I get so many of those. Like, I get tons of those. I remember one time my friend, his parents bought, like, a big house, and so he invited all of us for a housewarming party. And so I really had to use the bathroom, like, really, really bad. Um, And not, like, the kind of, like, not the number one. 
Is there, is there a number three? Because <laughs> I'm kidding. Too graphic. So anyways, I make my way to the basement because I'm trying to be cautious. I'm like, hey, look, it's going to be loud. You don't know what's going to happen. We had a lot of food, so let me go downstairs. So I go downstairs. I see the toilet paper. I see I'm sitting down. I'm going on my phone. And then it's time to, like, you know, finish up and go. And I realize there wasn't enough toilet paper. And I'm sitting there. I'm like... I'm not going to finish the story for the sake of you guys, but let's just say we figured there's just moments like that. I think the worst that I always remember is um, this one time I was in high school and my friends and I, were, you know, school's over. Let's go celebrate. So we go to this restaurant. Uh, it's really fancy. Uh, McDonald's. Um, and so we get there and I go to the till and I'm ready to order. And then my friend Angelina was like, Peter, don't worry about it. I got you. And I'm like, What? I'm like, yeah, I got you. I'm like, dude, I, I was going to get a junior chicken, but now I'm going to get a Big Mac meal with an apple pie. <laughs> He's like, it's okay, I got you. So then he pays for me, and I'm like, man, this guy is kind. And you ever have someone pay for you, and the meal just tastes so different? You're like, hmm, I like this. I can get used to this. <laughs> Anyways, we finished at McDonald's. We walk over to the ice cream place. My mom calls me. She's like, where are you? I'm like, I'm coming. I promise I'll be there soon. Um, you know how it is, African moms. It's like, you have to be home. <laughs> I'm like, Mom, I only had an hour after school. Um, I walk into the ice cream shop. Angelito, my friend that just paid for me, he's at the till ready to pay for himself. I'm like, no, 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 Ange, Ange, I got you. He's like, bro, are you sure? I'm like, yeah, I got you. He's like, no, 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 are you sure? Because I'm about to pay for everyone here. And so I'm like, yeah, what? Yeah. I just remembered I only had like $23 in my check-in account. And so I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, all right, do the math. Let's just pray that God will multiply this money. So I get up there, and I'm like, hey, I'll take an Oreo. Just like a, one scoop, That's the smallest one. Just give me a discount. And so I'm ready to pay. So I enter it. I pay. And the guy looks at me. He's like, it didn't work. I'm like, try again, man. And I didn't know at the time that he was trying to give me the signal that it declined. But I was like, try again. So I put it in again. He's like, it didn't work. And everyone's kind of looking awkwardly at this point. They're like, dude, you don't have, like, hey, I have money. We have change. I'm like, guys, please, I, I got this. I can pay for it. I do it again, and then it declined. And then the guy looks at me. He's like, it didn't work. And I'm like, all right, all right. So I turn to my friend. I give him that awkward, like, hey, all my money, I forgot. All my money's in my saving account. And I just didn't transfer it to my checking, and it's going to take three business days. And do you want to pay for this one? And then we'll... Anyways, it was awkward for me. And that memory lives in my head <laughs> every single time I go to pay. I'm always nervous because I'm like, this might be it. This might be it. But I'm just sharing that story, obviously, to, to, to relate to some of you guys in this room because I feel like we've all been there. I feel like we've all had moments where we've wanted God to multiply whatever we have. Am I right? Like you've wanted at the end of the month for God to multiply more money in your account. You've wanted him to multiply the energy that you have. You're about to go to a function and you're like, God, I need your energy. This coffee is not doing it. Like, I need you. We wanted God to multiply so many things. And today we're looking at a story of him doing one of the biggest miracles. This story is actually mentioned in all four Gospels. Jesus multiplying the bread. And if you're in this room and you actually don't know if God can actually provide, is that me? Am I doing something? Yeah, I'm good? Okay, thanks. Um, if you're in this room and you don't know if God can multiply, or maybe you've forgotten, like, I just want to take a second to remind you that he is a provider. God loves to provide for his people. In the book of Genesis, like we read earlier, we see Adam, who was the first lonely person on earth, and God provided for him. God saw that he was lonely, 
So if you're in this room and you're like, man, I feel lonely, don't worry. That is nothing. Like the heart of God is so close to you and he's willing to provide for you. We see God provide for Adam. We also see God provide for Adam and Eve. Before they even had a need, he gave them everything that they needed. That's how good God is. We see um, Abraham and Sarah. They go a long time without having kids. And they're praying and they're wishing that God would provide for them. And finally, when Abraham's 100 and Sarah's 90, I think, they have their firstborn son, Isaac. Like God just provides for them. God is able. We see Jacob. He's running away from his brother. Fear, terrified. He's made so many mistakes. And God heals his heart, forgives him, and gives him a new name, a new purpose. That's who God is. He's able to. Even Esther. Like, she's living in, she's a Jewish woman living in the Persian empire, and God uses her influence through her fasting and prayer and protects her people from genocide. I could go on listing all these people. Like, I know for me, personally for me, um, a couple years ago, I was a broke college student, and I had no way to get around. Uh, I decided to stay in BC, and God provided for me in ways. Like, I was living paycheck to paycheck. God used one of my friends to give me his new his car. Not new, sorry, it wasn't new, uh, 2007. But the car is still running. I use it every time, you know? And God provided for me. Look at our church. God's provided for us in so many different ways, right? Like we've seen baptisms. We've seen new people come to know God. We've seen unity formed. We've seen so many things take place in here. Some of you guys, God's provided in so many ways for you guys, okay? Like you have jobs. You have places to stay. You have something to eat. You have clothes right now. And if you, you know what? Let's just take a second, 20-second praise break. If you're in this room and you know that God's provided for you, why don't you just stand up and just Start praising God, okay? Don't worry about the person beside you. Just tell God, thank you so much that you're a provider. Thank you that you've done it for me. Thank you that you've done that, Jesus. Thank you for multiplying so much. Don't worry about the person beside you. Just take 20 seconds, 10 seconds, 20 seconds. Thank you, Jesus, that you're a provider. Thank you that you can do more than we can think of or imagine. Five seconds, come on. Give it all to God. Give it all to God. Give it all to God. He is our provider. He is the multiplier. He is. You can have a seat. Glory to God. Glory to God. See, God is able and willing to provide. He loves to provide for his kids. That's who he is. And so for the next two hours and 35 minutes, I want to (laughs) preach. I'm just kidding. We have food waiting for us. It'll only be two hours. Um, I want to preach about three important questions that I think we should reflect on when it comes to walking with the God of multiplication. The God of multiplication, that's my title. What are the three questions that we should reflect on when it comes to walking with this God? The first thing that we have to reflect on is, do we trust him with the impossible? Do we trust God with the impossible? Let me explain this to you. So we look at the story. uh, We'll pick it up right here from um, verse 5. Let's do verse 5. Let's start there. So Jesus, this will happen. Jesus sees this huge crowd of people coming to look for him. He turns to Philip, and he's like, hey, uh, where can we buy bread to feed all these people? He was only testing Philip, of course. And then Philip replied, even if we work for months, we wouldn't have enough money to feed them. Then Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up, and he said, there's a young boy here with five barley loaves and bread and two fish. What good is that to anyone? Okay, here's the the point I'm trying to make. Every time we face an impossible situation, we have two options. We can either be like Philip, or we can be like Andrew. Philip or Andrew? And before I even talk about these two, I just want to remind you there's a difference between trust and belief, right? Because we cannot believe that God can do it. But when you're in a tricky situation, you need to trust him. That's an action, right? And so Philip over here, if you don't know him, Philip is kind of the guy that watched their money. He was the more organized, more calculated guy. He was probably always stressed every time Judas had the money bag. He's like, I don't know what's going to happen today. It's always short every time he brings it back. 
Like, that was Philip. And so Jesus looks at him and is like, hey, um, I see uh, 5,000. Also, back in the day, they only counted men, so they probably counted 5,000 men. But contextually speaking, there could have been like 20,000 because they didn't count children and kids. So you're looking at this from Philip's perspective. Let's not judge him. Philip's sitting there. He's like, Jesus, even if we work for months, I don't think we could feed these people. And again, before we judge Philip, we have to remember, sometimes we're like Philip. You're like Philip. God's asked you, do you trust me in this impossible situation? You're sitting there. You're like, well, I mean, we still have our bills to pay for this month, and we haven't. We, you, it's like we're sitting there. We're calculating all these things. Like, do we trust him with the impossible? And it's so easy to judge Philip in this situation, but we've all been there in positions where God's, there's been impossible situations staring at us, and it's been so hard to trust him. So hard to trust him that he's going to do it. We lean on our own strength. We're like, I'm going to do it myself. I'm going to pick up extra shifts. I'm going to be more kinder. I'm going to kiss up to that boss. God's like, hey, I'm the one that promotes people. I'm the one that provides for you. And he's only testing Philip. Do we trust Jesus? I like Andrew. Andrew, um, I don't know if I'm always like Andrew, but this is what he does. He's like, I mean, there's this little boy with five, is it five? It's five barley loaves and two fish. And for context, barley loaf was kind of like the cheap bread. So it'd be like the wonder bread or the no-name bread. You know, this wasn't like, what is it, a sourdough? Is that, is that the good one? Brioche, brioche. I don't know, Megan always gets it. Um, that was like the, the cheaper bread. And Andrew's like, look, it's not much, but this is what we have. And I think that's the posture that we need to have when it comes to like walking with the God of multiplication. It's not much, but this is all I have. God, I know you're asking me to do this. I don't have a lot of energy, but I'm going to give you this. I don't have a lot of talents, but I'm going to give you this. I don't have a lot of faith right now, but I know you can do the impossible, so I'm going to bring it to you. Jesus is not telling you to give him 10 steps on how you're going to solve it. He's saying, give me the little that you have. The little that you have is way more in his hands than in your hands. The little that you can bring to God is way more. The job and the favor and the people that you've connected with, trust me, that is nothing compared to what God can do in your life. The money that you have saved up for years, and some of you guys have saved up a lot, and some of you guys are really bad at saving, uh, God could do more <laughs> than any of that. And Andrew is like, hey, I'm going to bring it to you. That's what it's like to walk with the God of the impossible. It's to us to have this faith, this action, to trust him. Not just believe that he could do it. Philip believed that he could. He's like, yeah, Jesus, I know you could do it, but like, I counted 20,000. Like, that's not going to work. But Andrew's like, look, it's not much, but here's what we have. It's not much, Lord. Here's what we have. To walk with the God of the multiplication, we have to ask ourselves, do we trust him with the impossible? Do you trust him with the impossible? I feel so heavy that there's some of you guys in this room, you're, you came this morning because you're carrying something that you feel like is impossible. It's out of your strength. You've done everything. It's out of your control. You're trying to cut. You probably didn't even sleep last night because you're so stressed. You're so worried about this. I want to encourage you. The little that you have, in his hands is way more. <laughs> it's way, way more. Let me ask you guys the second thing, or let me tell you about the second question that we have to reflect on is, do we only praise him when he answers us? If you want to walk with the God of multiplication, are you only going to praise him and thank him when he answers your prayer request? See, verse 11 says this, then Jesus took the loaves gave thanks to God, distributed them to people, and afterwards did the same with the fish. I'll stop at verses 11 for a second. I don't know who's calling me. <laughs> really? I think my family's watching the live stream. <laughs> um, Jesus takes the bread and fish. 
What's up, mom? <laughs> um, and it's funny that she's texting me too. I'm like, mom, <laughs> she probably wanted me to add more to that. She's like, personally, I would have said. <laughs> okay, verse 11, Jesus takes the bread and the fish and he gives it to Jesus and he gives thanks. He's modeling something that's so rich is we are to be people who thank the Lord before we see it happen. Before we see it happen. A couple months ago, um, I was playing soccer. My family was in town. And so I'm trying to impress them. But like, you know, things have changed. I've gotten older. My legs are not as good anymore. And so um, I scored the first goal. So I'm feeling pretty good. I'm like, I need to get a hat trick today. My dad's here. So I try to go for a header, but I landed so bad and landed on my knee. And it just like, ooh, like I couldn't get up. Like I was laying on the field. I couldn't even move. So my brothers come and they pick me up and they put me on the ground. And then my dad rushes over and he starts praying for my knee. And he's praying and he's praying and he's praying and he's praying. Then he starts saying, God, thank you that you're healing him. Thank you that this is not going to be serious. Thank you that he's going to be able to walk again. Thank you that he's going to be able to run again. And I'm sitting there, I'm like, Dad, this is kind of too soon. Like, my knee still, I can't move. Like, <laughs> you're thanking him way too soon. Like, should we test it out? Should we do like a walk? And he was already thanking him. And I think that's like the posture that we should have as Christians is we should be people that like we present our prayer request to him and then we start praising him. We're saying, God, thank you that you're already going to do it. Thank you that you're going to move my kid's life. Thank you that you're going to move in our church life. Thank you that you're going to give me the job. Before you even see it happen, we can't wait to see the result because we know that he's a good father that cares for us. It's like um, Daniel chapter 3, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They're pushed into the fire furnace. And do you guys remember what, the, what, he said, what they said to the king? They said, look, put us in there. We're still going to praise him. But even if he doesn't save us, we're still going <laughs> to. And that's the posture that we're supposed to have right? That's the posture we're supposed to have. We're supposed to praise him regardless of the results, right? In the situations when you face the impossible, you're supposed to give him praise and thanks that he is your God, that he is your Savior, regardless of when you're going to see it, right? Amen. Amen. I think about Philippians. This is what it says. Do not be anxious about anything, but with, with everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. With thanksgiving. That's how Paul instructs us to pray, with thanksgiving. And he says this, And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. How many want the peace of God? How many want to walk with the peace of God when you're facing a tough situation, when you're failing that exam, or when you're, failing that, or when you're stressed about family, when you're stressed about the future? You want to have the peace of God. That looks like giving him praise before you even see it. Because we don't walk by sight. We walk by faith. You know what I'm trying to say? And so we need to praise him before we see that. We need to praise him. The third question that I want us to reflect on is, am I worshiping the gifts or the giver? Am I going to worship the gifts or the giver? See, in verse 6, it's really interesting. I mean, sorry, chapter 6, verse 1 says this. After this, Jesus crossed over the far side of the Sea of Galilee, also known as the Sea of Tiberias, and a huge crowd kept following him wherever he went because they saw his miraculous signs as he healed people. They saw, sometimes I think we'll follow Jesus because it's what the crowd is doing. Like I think sometimes we see our family and friends following Jesus, so we're like, oh, we'll be a part of this too. But there's going to come a time when it's like, unless you're a true disciple of Jesus, your faith is going to be tested. And are you going to be an observer or are you going to participate? Are you going to be a disciple or are you just going to chill and watch and just come for the big crowd and everything? And that's what this crowd is doing. But also on top of that, sometimes we can follow Jesus for what he can give us instead of who he is. 
And so we see this crowd coming to him because they heard and seen that he's done all these miraculous signs. And, and it's not wrong. Sometimes we come to Jesus because we actually, he can do that. He can heal us. He can save us. He can provide us. That's who he is. But if that's the only reason why you're coming, you're actually probably missing the biggest point of it. You can't come to Jesus because it's part of the crowd. And also verse 14, check this out. When the people saw him do this miraculous signs, this at the end after that he, had feed, he had fed them, they said, surely he's the prophet we've been expecting. When Jesus saw that they were ready to force him to be their king, he slipped away into the hills by himself. Hmm. This verse is kind of connected to um, uh, Deuteronomy when Moses prophesied that like one day there's going to be a Messiah that's going to feed, that's going to provide food in the desert. And I think what happened is these people kind of like remember that and they're thinking like, okay, Moses rained down food. Therefore, if I follow Jesus making my king, I'm going to have food every time. He's going to rain it down. And sometimes we do that too, right? We think in the back in the day, if I sat in this section and closer to the front, God would touch me. So maybe I'm going to sit in the same spot every single time. Sometimes we come to God and we pray, God, please bless me with this, bless me with this. He blesses you with that. And then here's the dangerous thing is we walk away worshiping the gift instead of the giver. I heard one pastor talk about this, and they were saying that there's a lot of single people who come in church, and they're like, Lord, just please, please bless me with a wife. Bless me with someone that can cook, that is happy, that is organized, that is smart, that is intelligent. And then as the years go on, they're like, God, just bless me with just a woman. It doesn't matter. Like, just, just anyone. <laughs> and then God answers that prayer. And then they stop coming to church. They stop praying. They stop reading their Bible because they came to God for something specific. And when he answered it, they walked away. And we, what happens is we start praising these people. We start praising the spouse. Some of us do that with the jobs. God, please, if you bless me with this amazing job, if you let me get in, I promise. I'm gonna, like, we make all these, lists, all these lists. And then God gives you that job, gives you that promotion, gives you that thing. And then you forget about who gave it to you. Or sometimes, like some of us, I don't know what it's like to be a parent, but some of you guys, like you've been praying for God to multiply your family. God gives you these amazing kids, and then you worship the kids more than you worship your Savior. You know, like that's the tension that we have is sometimes we think that, oh man, if God does this for me, but really what happens is we fall in love with the gifts instead of the giver. And Jesus says this in uh, verse 26. He's like, I tell you the truth. You want to be with me because I fed you, not because you understood the miraculous sign. I feel like I want to stop there. If you're in this room and this relates to you, I feel this way too, man. Like, I was convicted just writing this. We want to be with him because it fed us, because he provided for us. But don't be concerned about these perishable things like food. Spend your energy seeking eternal life that the Son of Man can give you. And then verse 28, which I like, it says this. Uh, they, they said to him, like, we want to perform God's work too. What should we do? Jesus told them this. This is the only work that God wants from you. Believe in the one that sent you. Believe in the one that sent you. I think we get caught up in our heads because we're like, no, no, no. Like if I have more, more of God, if I pray more, if I read my Bible more, then I'm going to get more of this stuff. And we get caught up in this situation. But here's the, here's the thing. Here's the thing that I learned this. Sometimes if we worship those things, which we can all get trapped in there, okay? Like it happens really slow. We worship those, the blessing that God's given us. Maybe it's your job, maybe it's your money, maybe it's your friends, maybe it's your influence, maybe whatever. We worship those things. When they succeed, it goes to our head. We did it. I'm the man. I'm the woman. I did it. I worked so hard. We know the formulas. It's me. But the moment they fail, it goes to our hearts. And all of a sudden, we're like sad and depressed and low. And we feel like we have no worth. 
because those things are not our God. They can't satisfy us. Jesus is the only one that when we praise him, when we lift him above everything else, when things go well, we know who the source is. We know where we can go back to him. And when things fail, guess what? You have a savior who's ready to pick you up, a savior who's ready to nurse you and take care of you. That's why he's like, don't make these things your God because they won't satisfy you. They won't give you the same thing that I can give you. They won't be able to walk with you in this life the way that I can. And that's a challenge for today. I know for myself, this was like a very real thing for us. And Pastor Nick, you can come back up. Um, for us, um, m- many of you guys know this, I was born and raised in Congo. And back then, like we, we had family prayer every single night. And we, we just, that's how we got by, is we prayed and we saw God do amazing things. Like one Christmas, literally like uh, our family from Europe like sent us a bunch of food and gifts. Like we had no expectation. Like my dad would get jobs like we had no idea of. Like, and we lived in a nice place in Congo. We lived in a great place, but we saw God move so much. So we knew that God was the reason why we got by. Then we moved to Canada and we keep praying. We keep praying at 8 p.m. every single day. It was tough in high school, but we kept praying. And we saw God do so many amazing things. He gave us influence. He taught us how to speak English. He blessed my parents. He blessed our family. We just, we saw him do amazing work in our family. But then we got to this point where um, we started to be like, hey, maybe we don't need to pray that hard. Maybe we don't need to come to God and ask him for these things. Like, dad can just work really hard and we can go on this vacation. (laughs) Like, I can just gain favor with these people and they will help me out whenever I need it. And all of a sudden, we started to lean on ourselves. We started to, we stopped praying as a family. We stopped attending church regularly. We, we literally, in high school, like, I pushed my faith so far away from me because I was like, I don't, we don't need him to provide for these things. We already have them. And it wasn't until this one time I was working at McDonald's, I get a phone call and everyone's like, oh, Peter, you got to rush back home. Dad got a stroke. And I'm like, what? So I like run to the hospital, we get there, um, and it was a really, really scary time because our dad worked really hard and he provided for everything. And so for us, we're sitting there, we're like, man, how are we gonna get by? We're so sad, we're so confused, all this stuff is happening, our family. And so we went back home, and for the first time in probably like a year and a half, we all prayed together as a family. My dad was at the hospital, we started praying, we started praying and interceding for him. And we saw God do a miraculous thing and God healed him and he brought me back. And it was so cool, so special. But our life looked completely different. Instead of all of our kids, like, every, like I have six siblings, I mean I have five siblings, including myself, we would all have to work to help pay for the mortgage. We'd all have to work to pay for all these different things. But I'm telling you, something shifted in our lives. Because we prioritized the Lord, we got to see him do so many cool things. We felt so much closer as a family. We knew we had a Savior leading us and not just our own lives, and we're just doing that. And I remember that season as I was reflecting on it. I'm like, my whole world was shaken. And it's because I was putting my stuff and my faith in myself. I was leaning on myself. I wasn't leaning on the God that saved me. And sometimes it can be easy to lean on God when you have nothing. But I think God wants to ask you, can you lean on him when you have everything? Like when you don't need money from him, are you still going to praise him and be hungry for him? Do you remember when you were, you remember when you were so desperate for God to move in your life that you would be the first one at the front? You were always, the, you, always you would pray for two hours. You had the Bethel soaking and everything and you're reading and you're seeking the Lord. 
But all of a sudden, now that you have that thing or that money or this person in your life, now you just don't have the same hunger to walk with the God of multiplication. I feel so strongly this morning that God is calling some of us back. Stop worshiping the gifts. Those things won't last. We should turn our eyes on the giver. And so I just want to take a second. I feel like, like my dad was right. This is a very simple sermon. <laughs> so it's less about the sermon. It's actually more about like what we bring to God. <laughs> like how do, we, how do we actually come to this? And here's my thing for you. We, we have time. The food is cooking. You guys can smell the burgers. It's going to be great. The bake auction is going to be awesome. But let's just take a couple minutes and reflect on these questions. You might be in here, and maybe you're someone that, like, when I was talking about trusting God with the impossible, that was you. You just need his help because you kick it into go mode whenever you face the impossible. It's you trying to provide for yourself. It's you trying to lean on yourself. It's you feeling here by yourself. And you just want to ask for more faith. You want to ask for more for God to help you to lean on him in this situation. That's the prayer number one, is let's pray for that. The second thing I want to pray for is maybe you're in this room and you just have a hard time like praising God for what he's done. There's a story of Jesus healing these 10 lepers. Only one of them comes back. Only one of them out of the 10. And sometimes I think that's us. We pray for all these things really hard. God gives it to us and then we forget about him. And maybe we just need to come clean and beg, Lord, I'm sorry for the times I just didn't thank you enough what you've given me. All that I have is yours. Everything I have is yours. My family, this breath, the ability to walk, to see everything I have is yours. Whatever it is in your life, just give him praise for that. And lastly, if you're in here and you just want to repent for the times that you've worshipped the gifts that he's given you more than the giver, I can't think of a better time. Right now is the time for us to come clean the Bible says that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us. He also says, draw near to me and I'll draw near to you. In this moment, can I invite you guys to stand up actually? What does it look like for you to draw near to him in this moment? Maybe one of those things I said stood out to you and you want to pray over those things, I would invite you to just take time as um, the worship team is going to lead us to be praying for those. But I really believe that God is a provider and he loves to provide for us. And especially as Christians in this room, what does it look like for us to walk with a God multiplier? Let's not just chase him because of what he can give us. Let's just chase him for him. So let's pray together and the team will lead us in the song.